This is the Walter from Waco podcast. I'm Walt. I'm from Waco. Actually, I stole the name from a bit that a Dallas area radio station did in the 80s, Walter from Waco. So anyway, my origin story is this. Years ago, back in the halcyon days of Iraqi invasions and Freedom Fries, I was lucky enough to go on a radio show in Dallas. It's on a sports station that's still around the ticket. They had an evening show called the P1 Wild Ass Circus. Now, for those of you unaware, the one or two that might have actually bothered to listen to this, P1 is a term used in radio that denotes a user who listens to that station to the exclusion of all others. There's P1, P2, and P3, basically levels of listenership of a station by a given listener. So, of course, you can take from that show name to mean, you know, basically huge fans of this station. And the idea would be that the host would bring on listeners to be co-hosts. Now, the host of the show is Richard Hunter, and he would bring us on to originally co-host with him one or two segments. The way it started out was he brought me and one other guy on for a segment that uh, was to interview Johnny Cochran. Now, we were led to believe at first that we would be talking to a video game magazine editor or something along those lines. I don't even remember what it was. Anyway, but at the last minute we're told, oh, by the way, we're interviewing Johnny Cochran. Now, that was... Uh, that was kind of uh, scary, to be honest, because he's asking the first few questions Richard Hunter is, and then he looks up at us like, basically giving us the look like, is anyone going to talk? So finally, I just, you know, I started asking questions along the lines of, you know, at the time Michael Jackson was claiming Sony was not performing to the contract like he thought they should, and he said that it was a violation of his civil rights. So I asked Johnny Cochran, if he felt that uh, Michael Jackson's civil rights were being violated by Sony. And what he said in response was, you know, if he had a chance to talk to uh, Michael Jackson, he would counsel him, you know, basically calling him his brother, saying, You're, this doesn't involve your civil rights. And I, not to pat myself on the back, just the fact that I was able to open my mouth, I was kind of surprised and happy with myself. Um, I guess... Because I was able to actually talk, I was asked to come back on. And the way that show evolved was uh, Richard came up with a pool of listeners he felt comfortable with bringing on. And I happened to be lucky enough to be one of them. Um, so I was averaging about once a month going on the show. And it was a ton of fun. We got to go on a trip to Vegas that included going to Reno to a uh, whorehouse there. Now, that's a story in and of itself, and I'm going to devote a, a, a chapter of this podcast or an episode to talking about that trip. I wasn't involved in any shenanigans other than drinking here and there, and that's it. I'll save it, though. That's going to be fun to talk about. So anyway, after that show and after going on the show and uh, on the ticket, a uh, couple of friends that I met through the station, several actually, we all decided to get together and start doing a podcast called Miscommunication. Now, that involved Paul, Groobs, and Seep, also known as Cameron. Uh, Cameron passed away rather tragically a few years after that from an infection. Uh, rest in peace, Cameron. Um, but with him on that podcast, it was just a total joy. Uh, everyone enjoyed what we were doing. I tended to be the one that would say something inappropriate. Sometimes it was funny and sometimes it was stupid. Let's be honest, more often than not it was stupid. I mean, 
it just was. And if I ever get Paul or groups to listen to this, they, they all know what I'm talking about. But miscommunication was a lot of fun. And then I did a music podcast after that for a little bit. And then more or less life interrupted. Um, that was right around the time that I got a divorce and the personal life basically blew up and I wound up taking my kids to raise them. Um, so, you know, I had to do that and they were in school at the time, middle school and high school. So, I mean, when you're running kids to school and a band and everything else, you just don't have time for creative endeavors. And by the technical definition, this is a creative endeavor by real results that's up for debate and i get that whatever anyway back to the story dan so i'm raising the kids and uh finally right as they're about to graduate I, I get a job in california now in calabasas which is kind of the area where the kardashians live so i got a job there and i lived in ventura county and then the la area for around nine years um i got to work at two movie studios at disney and then at paramount pictures I met a girl in California. Thankfully, she's not a California girl. She's a Pennsylvania girl. Now, the good thing is, Pennsylvania is basically Alabama that with Philadelphia and Pittsburgh on either ends. And she lived in Nashville for a while, too. So she's already, she, she was adjusted to dealing with goofy-ass Southern people. She was a waitress in Nashville, for God's sake. So she had to deal with God knows what kind of behavior, right? So I met her in L.A., online dating. That is going to be another segment, too, to talk about because online dating in your 40s in L.A. is an experience. And, uh, again, all you know, I used to do these uh, things on Facebook, uh, dating site updates. And for the most part, all of those things that I typed, I'm going to start looking for them, and I'm probably going to read them just as is. A lot of them really, really weren't exaggerated. There's just... And it's a function of being in your 40s, and there are people who have never been in long-term relationships, and by the time you get to that age, that's worrisome. Or you just got out of a marriage, and you just want a, basically a body with a pulse to replace the person who just left. So it, it, it wound up being wild and wacky in its own right. You reach a point where you're ready to just jump off a building. But again, I'm going to save that for a segment because that was... Looking back at it now, it was it's funny. It really is. It's it's you you know time uh, plus tragedy equals humor, and let me tell you something. Dating in L.A. is a freaking tragedy. I mean, you hear all the cliches and tropes about L.A., but I'm telling you, online dating in L.A. Again, I'll get to it. Just take my word for that. Good lord. So anyway, we decide we were done with LA. Now, what happens in LA is you live there for a while and it's a lot of fun. And I can recommend going back to LA on a vacation. LA, there's a ton of things you can do there. Either in LA or down the beach cities in Orange County. I mean, there's a ton to do. But living there wears you out after a while. It just does. Um, you kind of feel like you've, you've done all the rides, you got a t-shirt and now it's time to move on. And that's kind of what we did. We sat and talked about where we wanted to move. We didn't want to move back to the south. We didn't really want to move to the east coast. So, I mean, it kind of narrowed our targets. It was either going to be Oregon or Washington. That's kind of the area we wanted to stay in. And voila, we're in Seattle. That's kind of what transplant west coasters do. You move to Southern California. You have fun there for a few years. And then you decide, 
okay, now, now I'm tired of all the extroversion because LA is just extrovert, 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 extrovert. Seattle's kind of the city for introverts. You hear about the Seattle freeze, which is, you know, people will say that people in Seattle, people external to Seattle, usually LA people, Angelinos, will claim that people in Seattle are, are not as nice or they're not friendly. There's a Seattle freeze or whatever. And I don't take it to be that. It's just it's more introverted, which is people aren't going to just stop and small talk you to death. But they're not necessarily rude. They're just not going to just shoot the shit on the dumbest things. That's just that's just what it does or what happens. Um, personally, I think Seattle suits me because I'm an introvert. It's great up here. The weather is weird. They have longer days, and I'm loving that. But I'll get into Seattle, too, later on. I'm going to discuss in another episode. I keep coming up with segments I can talk about, and I'm talking about them now. I'm going to talk about L.A. versus Seattle versus Dallas. Because I lived in Dallas my, you know, my adult life, basically. Once I was 19, moved up there, yada, yada, yada. That's the story. So there you go. That's what this podcast is going to be about. And for my first official subject, now, the way I'm going to do this podcast, I'm not going to do monolithic hour-long episodes. I'm going to break them up into about 15, 20-minute bits. Um, to me, that helps. I'm going to do my best not to just ramble, even though I'm kind of rambling now. I want to keep it just rambling down to a minimum, which means I want to, you know, I basically want to do segments of 12, 15 minutes, 20 if I want to, but keep it at that so that, you know, it's... It's easier to listen to, you get through them, and you can pick and choose what topics are interesting, yada, 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 the whole bit. Stealing bits from Seinfeld, but you might as well steal from the best. So, let's talk about neighborhood social media. Now, you kind of know what I'm talking about, and I became familiar in L.A. with Nextdoor, the app. And then also Facebook groups that are geared toward your local community. And... I would say that neighborhood social media is basically the worst form of social media um, because it really, really synthesizes and puts a big focus on ill-thought-out human behavior. Now, in L.A., that meant, now, when we lived in Studio City, which is basically 99.7% white, what that meant was if a white woman saw a Hispanic guy in a truck in their neighborhood, they would start posting about it before they called the cops. Forgetting the fact that it's probably someone they had hired to work on their yard. And I'm not saying that to be racist, that all Hispanic men work in yards. But in this regard, that's who works on yards in L.A., especially in those areas, the expensive houses and all. That's who gets hired. And, I, you know, I, you would see these posts pretty often. There's a brown, and seriously, the posts would go along the lines of, Darker complected male Dodge pickup truck with equipment in the back, driving the neighborhood slowly. And I'm thinking, honey, you just described someone who probably has yard equipment in the back of his truck and he's going to your or your neighbor's house. But it's that sort of not even subtle racism in the bastion of liberalism, not even trying to cover it up. These are the people who would, you know, post all kinds of links bashing Trump on Facebook but aren't ashamed of themselves when they do something like that. And yes, that's going to be a topic of discussion too, liberal hypocrisy, uh, especially in being in LA. Um, but in Studio City and the white parts of LA, you would see that a lot. Oh no, someone non-white is in the neighborhood, there goes the property values. 
and you know then I've noticed and that's not the extent of it but you get the idea now up here um, it, we're in a suburb and it's in a blue collary kind of a suburb it's next to what's known as we're not in Tukwila but what I found out about Tukwila Washington is it's one of if not the most dangerous city in America that's great um, for anyone from Texas if you're from the Waco area Bell Mead is just under Tukwila like it's number six and Tukwila is number one so that gives you an idea about uh, Tukwila you know the gunfire car theft you know drug use related you know meth heads stealing shit and harming people so the city that we live in is pretty close to Tukwila so what you hear about in these Facebook pages is over-reporting of stuff that didn't even happen in this city but in Tukwila and then arguments about you know either pro or anti-gun uh, you have the people who always they're, they're always very contrary and they always disagree with everyone in the thread and then they end every post in LOL those are fun people and you know what I'm talking about then there's always the unambiguously racist who is offended that you are offended that they just dropped either the n-bomb or they said all brown people do this they're the one they're, they're being snowflakey about the fact that they think you're being snowflakey we're all a bunch of wusses let's just accept it okay us on the left we're wusses you on the right if you're out there and you're right we're all wusses let's get over it already and then of course to play you know to, to, to throw it out there you have the social justice warrior type who's ready to go off on anyone without parsing for sarcasm someone may have and again social media text digital communication subtleties sarcasm snark doesn't translate well you always have to do the slash s to make sure people understand you're being sarcastic well then you have the people who are always virtue signaling that by god i'm out there and it's usually always white people doing this it's it's white people in a weird sort of way it's a kind of racism that they feel the need we feel the need to protect other races now we, we don't do anything to actually help to be damned honest but by God we're going to be offended for Asians and we're gonna be offended for Hispanics and we're gonna be offended for black people and it's like or we could choose not to open our mouths every time we choose to that's one thing we white people are really afflicted with is just engaging talking before we actually think about it says the guy doing a podcast the irony isn't lost on me of course that's irony in the most more settish ways sets uh, type of irony but whatever I'm not an English major kiss my ass so anyway the you have that you have the um, I love my city Facebook page where swear to God someone actually posted that a ketchup pump wasn't working in a McDonald's I mean and that wasn't sarcasm they were being that that was an honest report then you have the crime related page where you know every little thing like you would think that we were under siege we were living in the middle of Beirut during the Lebanese Civil War and you look out your window and it's quiet and peaceful you hear nothing and it's for one thing we white people get scared at our own shadows and that's part of the problem um, people bitching and moaning about fireworks around July 4th and you know those are gonna scare my pets and you just wish people would just shut up and enjoy their lives but that's neither here nor there but it is kind of here and there and you read this and you think at first 
people reporting strange cars in the neighborhood and you buy into the you buy into it for a while and then you think you know one morning i caught myself i was looking i was looking out the front door and there's a great car parked in our street now we're in a cul-de-sac right and this is at about six o'clock in the morning so the guy's just sort of waiting there and i'm thinking oh no what's he doing here and my first impulse is okay i better keep an eye on this car and then it uh, i realize he's there to pick up a neighbor and by the way he would be a really stupid criminal if he's just parked in the middle of the street staring at people's houses. Now, I understand that's how people case houses at times, whatever, but that'd be the worst time of day when everyone's at home still, you know. But people report strange-looking cars that are parked, you know, not in front of their house, just on the street somewhere. And you think, when you first read it, you think, oh, my God, that sounds scary. But it's like, but are they doing anything? Did you walk by to see if they're doing anything illegal? You know, like another thing people do in the neighborhood uh, social media is complain. They'll get online and complain about someone's dog barking. And usually someone will point out, did you go talk to your neighbor? Well, no. Well, what's the point of posting about it? there, passive aggressive Annie. If you're not at least going to leave a note, maybe you don't want to talk to them face to face, but leave a note saying, hey, your dog's barking, making a lot of noise. Can you do something about it? You... <coughs> You really can't just shame people online without trying yourself. I, it's just amazing to me. Also, neighborhood social media, I've seen, you know, posting pictures of people when they thought something was up and then someone realizes you're posting a picture of someone doing something perfectly fine. They're not doing anything to you. It's, it's really the worst of human behavior. I joined these things thinking, okay, I need to, I need to learn about the city we're in and I realize now after leaving them, like, I just learned absolutely nothing except that there's 5% of the population that are watching everything and perceiving everything incorrect. And that's social media kind of at large, really, if you think about it. Like, and I'm the worst, I'm one of the worst about social media. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go to a soapbox and, 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 and preach about the evils of social media without at least, you know, being honest about it. I use social media a ton. I post cat pick ever after cat pick i post political links that honestly are a waste of time because my friends will agree you know my family that disagrees will just be pissed what's the freaking point and that's neighborhood social media like what are we accomplishing here are we like communicating and and collaborating on keeping an eye on stuff i've gotten more positive feedback from actually talking to my neighbors in this cul-de-sac and becoming familiar with them because now they know, uh, you know, they know what our cars look like. They know who we are. They know what's up. I mean, there's nothing wrong with knowing your neighbors, you know. Not every neighbor is the crazy neighbor who's going to shoot your head if you go talk to them. Um, you know, I'm in IT, and when the information superhighway was being built, there was this big optimistic hope that finally we're going to have so much, so much to do. We're going to learn so so much because all this information is going to be available and no what it's done is it's reduced us to our worst primal cores of humans it's almost animalized us but i think i'm done with that sermon for now i've, I've kind of babbled on about that but you get the idea neighborhood social media i don't see what the benefit of it is it's just people who really want to be the loudest complainers you know I'm sure there's some positivity there somewhere, but I've yet to see it, at least in this instance. So 
eh, you know, it is what it is. Coming up next, I'm probably going to make, probably, because enunciation is a good thing, people. I didn't say you people, I said people. My next episode is probably going to be music because I'm really excited about talking about these acts. I want to talk about the residents. I just watched a documentary again about them. And I read a book about Krautrock because I'd already been in a, into, not in, good Lord. I, I'd already been into a couple of Krautrock related bands and it's really good music. Um, and I want to like just share what I've learned. I'm sure a lot of people listen to it, so it's not like I'm breaking any ground there. It's just something I'm excited about. So coming up sometime or the other in the next day or two, there will be more to record and listen to. I will holla at you later.